Tonight, we are here to make history. Right here, right now, in this ring, we will make history. We started out with 32. We scoured the world to find 32 of the best. Passion and sacrifice boiled it down to four. And right now, in front of you, you see two of the best in the world. But we're not looking for two. We're looking for one. We are looking for the one. We are looking for the one that will be known as the best in the world. We are looking for the one that right here tonight will make history. We are looking for the one that will be the winner of the first Cruiserweight Classic. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Bushby and Thompson's Wrestling Adventure on postwrestling.com. And I'm Martin Bushby. And this month, finally reunited with the youngest in charge, returning from a, a big trip to Dallas a couple of weeks ago with a ton of interviews under his arm. It's Mr. Andrew Thompson. Sir, how are you? How are you this month? Mr. Bushby, glad to be reunited. It feels like centuries. Indeed. I miss you, my good man. I miss you. It's been a long time since I talked to you uh, on, on air. You know, we keep in contact, uh, but it's been a minute since we did a podcast. I can't even like if if it, it's probably only been like one podcast that we missed, mm. but it feels like forever since we you know since we since we doing it uh since we doing it monthly. But it's good. It's good to be back on the airwaves or you know the podcast waves or whatever the hell you want to call it with <laughs> you, my good man. Yeah, it's good to it's good to hear your voice again, Andrew. Um, but I mentioned it there, Dallas. Um, how was that? I mean, I noticed you got loads of like really good interviews and stuff. There was a really good one with Myron Reed and stuff. How was it? I was how were the shows you went to? I was Dallas as a city to visit. You know, did you have a good time over there? It was cool, man. It was it was very 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 cool, man. How does you know? Uh, you know, seeing people that you keep up with through social media and stuff like that uh, that was another cool thing uh that you know you finally get to see these people in person that you always interact with through uh twitter and whatnot so and everybody was really cool everybody was real chill um got some good food in dallas which was a a, a, a very much a highlight uh of the weekend that was very especially at the um wrestlemania i went to this place called texas live and thankfully they were still serving food so i went in there chilled out for a little bit while them uber rates went down because they was charging hella oh, much yeah. to get out of uh, get out of AT&T Stadium so I went down to Texas Live and sat down and ate my food and then when I came out I was able to find me a, uh, a nice fair price to get back to the hotel but um yeah man it, it was cool man in Dallas man of course doing the interviews going to see all the shows uh probably my favorite show of the weekend um I would probably say outside of uh night one of WrestleMania and I think that was more so because I was I mean well I was at the shows live and I'm talking about like just the that was my first WrestleMania. So, you know, I had to take that in. Uh, but I would say probably outside of that, probably my favorite show was the world on Lucha. Um, the GCW show that Gringo Loco presented. Cause that shit was insane. They had that crazy six man or tre- they had that crazy, uh, multi-man match with, uh, it was team, team Gringo versus, uh, team Laredo kid and a- ASF fucking stole the show. And like, I, I've, I've never seen nobody just fly back and forth between opposite sides of the ring. Like like he was doing, it, it was ridiculous. That was a crazy performance he had. 
Um, I like the the LA fights versus JCW show. Uh, that was my first time seeing that show like in full. Like I've seen like bits and pieces of it, but never like a full show. So that was a that was a cool show. It's like it's cool. It's good. It's cool to see GCW has like I don't want to call it. It's not developmentals. It's like subsidiaries. I think is the the proper word. So like that that and uh LA fights and Jersey Championship wrestling to like be sort of uh like little proven grounds of sorts for you know talents to eventually make it up to the GCW. Uh, roster and stuff like that so i think that was cool and it was some it was a lot of other shows that weekend man uh wrestlecon was real cool uh you know went in you know talked to some people and stuff like that so yeah and on top of the interview so yeah Dallas was cool man it was a good time i enjoyed myself um and it was cool seeing everybody yeah that's what i love about wrestlemania is just all the stuff around the actual wrestlemania show itself all the indie shows and stuff like that so that's why i do love going across to america for those shows because yeah, because it almost feels like WrestleMania is an afterthought compared to everything else that's going on, especially like you say, you know, WrestleCon might not come across the best on tape, but when you're there live, you know, they certainly have a lot of good matches and stuff. Um, yeah. Have you got the bug for live wrestling? Are you going to be heading to this uh, New Japan AEW show or anything like that in the in the near future? I don't know about the NJPW uh, AEW show just yet, but de- definitely some stuff in the future. That's like, that thankfully, I'm in... Uh, area where it's a lot of um shows here or i won't say a lot but it's, it's a it's a it's a good deal of independent shows that come here then we got the the new japan capital collision show that's happening in may that's coming here so i'm excited about that i'm going to that i'm um, gonna got i think we got ishii versus uh eddie kingston and mox versus tanahashi so far wow um, those have been the two firm as so that's that's gonna be quick okada's advertised for the show too which is crazy that you know probably get to see him i don't think i've ever seen okada wrestle live so that's gonna be cool but yeah man it's, uh i'm excited to go to these shows man i hope uh <laughs> new, new japan need to you know go ahead and slide your boy that press pass so i can get these interviews in new japan <laughs> at, 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 at new japan i hope you listen to this <laughs> <laughs> yeah that'd be fantastic if you could uh get an interview with some of them guys yeah that'd be brilliant oh i'm really jealous yeah, that sounds like a cracking show. Yeah, Mox versus Tanahashi. This would be awesome. Then, then, then the the love for wrestling just happened up in the UK. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Benno went to it with uh, Matty Edwards. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I saw, I saw like a lot of pictures coming out of that. Like I saw like Trish Stratus, MJF, Nikki James, uh, Bray Wyatt was up there. Uh, Eric Redbeard, like a bunch, a bunch of people. Victoria. Like a whole a whole bunch of people, uh, a whole bunch of wrestlers were up there. A couple AEW people, of course, like uh, outside of MJF as well. Like it seemed like that was like a packed, uh, packed event for the most part, as far as like the you know the rollout of wrestlers that were available to uh, to speak to and take pictures with and all that good stuff. Yeah, from uh, what Benno said, is everyone was there to see one Bray Wyatt. That was pretty <laughs> much the that was, he was the like big star of the whole of the whole weekend. He said like um, Braun Strowman did like the indie sort of like battle royal at the end of the show and he was like yeah it's like can't believe how much his stars fallen since he left wwe but yeah he said he said for as far as like you know someone who had a non-stop queue must have made a fortune of sort of like photographs and autographs all weekend he said yeah definitely it was bray wyatt who was uh you know heading to the bank with um you know a big bag full of cash so um, yeah but it's like it. you said it, it did look like a fun show it seemed like a lot of people out there mainly sort of like I think for the likes of Bray Wyatt and people like that. Yeah, I would say with Bray, like I think the thing about uh the thing about him is like the fact that he hasn't um I mean I, I don't know if this like directly contributes to it. I, I don't I don't think it it would, but 
I, I think it also adds on to the fact that he has like done like absolutely zero media mm. since he left WWE. Like it got released almost a full year ago. He has not spoken on anything. Like so, I, I think that sort of adds to the whole the whole thing because like people haven't heard from him out and outside of these events. I know he's done like a couple signings and stuff like that, but I, I think it just adds overall to 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 the whole you know rollout of him post WWE. The fact that he hasn't spoken about anything. So like I I think people are like really curious to like see if they go up to him and like ask him like about this and that. Like I, I think it just adds, I, I think it's a smart move on his part. Mm-hmm. If he if he is doing that on purpose, I think that's a smart move. And even if he isn't, it's still it's, it's still a smart move. I think it just adds to his overall presentation. Oh yeah, definitely. I think um, you know, if you're not here, there and everywhere all the time, then it leaves people wanting more, yep. doesn't it? And it so that's clearly yep. showing with it. But um yeah, I definitely need to add to one of those uh, sort of like wrestling conventions one day that he will look like uh, quite a fun day to hang out and stuff. But um, something you Wait, were telling I'm me... Say, I'm about to say live Bush being Thompson, WrestleMania LA. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's do it, mate. Well, I'm definitely going. So, uh, yeah. After, well, imagine how much the venues cost in LA for them sorts of things. <laughs> yeah, that'd be that'd be absolutely brilliant. No, so we 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 we, we going to tentatively book this live Bush me and Thompson wrestling adventure the, re- the, the oh, return yeah. the return of the park for, for Wrestlemania 39 weekend we're gonna, we're gonna be take brilliant. over we, we, we just gonna we just gonna run in somebody else's venue right after they finish whatever podcast they record and just set up our shit and just like just get the recording everybody can meet us there you, we, we, we're gonna we're gonna charge what we're we gonna charge a five dollar entry fee yeah <laughs> five dollar entry fee and, and, and you wanna know what for, for for you, Neil Flanagan, thirty. <laughs> this beef still with Neil. I'm going. Hey, I bet, I bet, I bet <laughs> Professor Chris Elliott, uh, Ely rather, knows uh, knows um, a, a few places in LA who would uh, put us up for a podcast. So we'll have to uh, we'll have to hit him up for that. But um, I was just about to say, uh, we were just talking off air then, and um, you've been uh, mesmerized uh, this month by the fact that there's um, a British basketball <laughs> league. <laughs> Oh no, wait, so okay, so this 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 story is crazy. So I was uh on YouTube getting some listening to some uh some stuff for the news update and then I see under my uh, recommended feed British basketball league and I am absolutely drawn to this. I stopped exactly what I was doing. I went to this, it was on the sky it was recommended by the Sky Sports YouTube page, and they had like a clip of a, a British league basketball game. I had absolutely no idea that this existed i did not know this is a real thing i thought it was a parody when i first saw it when i first saw like the uh the thumbnail for it and then i clicked on it and then they ended up having the full length game on the website and now i'm on a youtube page and i watched half of it and i'm like genuinely genuinely interested in this british basketball league i have never heard of this thing not once in my life and i as soon as i saw this I immediately messaged Martin. I was like, bro, how come you didn't, you never told me that there's a British <laughs> basketball league. I am very impressed. I'm very disappointed the NBA has not mentioned this at all. I'm hurt. I feel neglected of good entertainment as a fan of basketball for all these years. But I can- but now, but, 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 but now, but now I know where, where to go. So I'm going to shout out the Sky Sports uh, YouTube page. <laughs> For, change, for, 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 for changing my basketball fandom, but not, but not in all seriousness, like the game, the game wasn't even that bad. From like, it was like actually really good. And then like, of course, you put two and two together, and you realize like some of these people, uh, 
you know, they went to college in, in the States and they, you know, they didn't, for whatever reason, choose. Oh, so some of them didn't, go, uh, you know, coming out of high school, they they wanted to probably go overseas and stuff like that. I felt that was the better option. Some of them came out of college and then went overseas and then tried to make it to the, back to the NBA or, you know, some of them was in the NBA or, you know, or, you know, and then went back overseas or whatever the case may be. But yeah, it was like some, it was like some high level, like, you know, skilled players in there, man. So it was, it was cool to see. Like, of course, you know, about the, you know, people come to Spain and, you know, they go to, people go to Australia, people go to China, people go to like Russia or, or, or whatever it may be to, to go hoop and stuff like that. But I did not know it was like an entire British basketball league. And I'm like thoroughly impressed, Martin. No, like, yeah, it's funny because I, I wouldn't have mentioned it to you, you know, especially when you've got the NBA, the best league in the world, you know, why would you want to be watching <laughs> basketball? But um, yeah, I mean, I used to be a big fan. We've got the local team, Sheffield Sharks, and I used to go uh, quite a bit. I still try and keep up to date with like the results and stuff like that. And like, yeah, like you said, we've had, um, there's a few British players um, sprinkled in there as well as a lot of sort of like Croatians and, and you know, people from countries like that. And like you say, a lot of players who didn't get drafted um we used to have a spectacular dunker playing for the sheffield sharks called dirk williams who i believe um is settled down now in sheffield with the sheffield girl so yeah he's done a pretty well out of that but yeah i, I used to um i used to love going to the games and stuff but it's just having time to go now so uh yeah don't worry andrew i'll um i'll get a sheffield sharks uh shirt sent over to you yes. and you can wear that can wear that you can strut around the streets of uh, maryland wearing that um with, with pride <laughs> you, well, uh, well everyone's you, asking you what the hell it is <laughs> hold on wait well, well, you you said Derek williams he uh no that, Derek that williams. That played, oh I, I thought you said i thought you said Derek Williams. i thought you were talking no. about a dude that played for the uh the minnesota timberwolves i thought that's what you were talking about i was like oh I, that's crazy i thought that's what you were referring to but yeah, I know um, but not, but Rodman I, played for uh, the Brighton Bears for one season. Uh, you know when uh, he of was Of course like, he did. Yeah. Of course he did. <laughs> why, 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 why would Dennis Rodman be in the British Basketball League? <laughs> he played in every other league, didn't he? Oh, God, he had like the <laughs> longest retirement tour ever, didn't he? I'm sure like <laughs> Iverson played for a, a team in China as well for like um, oh, yeah, six yeah. months or whatever, didn't he? Yeah, I, I think Iverson did play overseas for a little bit, yeah. Uh, nobody could afford him in the British Basketball League, I imagine. They, I know that Brighton Bears threw a load of money at Dennis Rodman to basically play five minutes every game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> probably sold out every game just to see Rodzilla. Now, if you, if you if you do send me that jersey, though, I will I will gladly gladly put put that on the socials. I, I will wear that thing everywhere. That because <laughs> no, because I'm, I'm sitting like who I, I doubt many people like because. I mean, I ain't, gonna, I ain't gonna say many people don't know, but like, I, I, I just think it's cool to like have stuff like that that like, uh, you know, you really can't get that much shit, or, or you, you really, you, you would, you wouldn't come across it here in the states. So I think, mm. I think that's just like that, that's some that'd be like some cool shit to, to have. Oh, Shout out to the that, and, and Mark, that that's that's definitely me in a coded way saying like at, like saying to send it like but me without without me having been like, hey Martin. Would you mind sending it? That was like my coded way of saying send it. So that, yeah. that's my expectation. <laughs> Don't worry, Andrew. I'm sure we can. I'm sure we can sort you out. But um, anyway, enough of uh, enough about the uh, British Basketball League because we've uh, actually got some wrestling to talk about this month. Um, it's obviously on the show we go back and sort of like review old documentaries and you know old shows and things like that. And this month. 
We're actually going back only six years to 2016 and the uh, WWE Cruiserweight Classic. I mean, can you believe it was six years ago, Andrew? I mean, so much changed in the wrestling industry since then, but it honestly feels like five minutes ago since WWE were announcing this thing. Man, I like so. So when we first uh, like threw out this idea, like doing this podcast about the Cruiserweight Classic, when you first started watching it and stuff, I legit forgot about I I would say I'm not gonna say mostly everything that happened in this tournament but like, it was stuff that was like you know little bits and pieces of stuff that was on my mind because I, I, I like I just feel like I, I know for you it said like for like a little time has passed since they announced this but like it's it's so much stuff that happened in wrestling bro it's like the stuff that happened even two weeks ago feels like a month ago so like for something to happen in 2016 like it it, it, it felt like forever since uh since this happened but like as soon as that Cut, cut the show back on like I like it started jogging my memory and you know immediately started remembering stuff and who was in it and who was had and you know whatnot and stuff like that and, and, and it was cool to go back and you know see some of these matches because it's it's a completely different presentation just in all aspects of what we usually see from the the you know week to week WWE product and even like I know me and you was talking about it off here with the, the the use of the word pro wrestler <laughs> and then that that, that that was constantly used and it and, and it was only recently until that and man, Cody Rose made his return back to WWE. We <laughs> starting to hear that word a lot more, a lot more often. But not in all seriousness, though, it, it was just cool to see. Like a, I mean, like of course, you know, they still had their moments where you know you got to do the WWE isms. You know, the like, you know, I know you was gonna mention it about the, you know, mentioning that, uh, you know, when somebody gets slammed on the side of the ring, you know, that's the hardest part of the ring. Yeah, you know, that, that, <laughs> you, know, that you gotta you gotta get that in, and you know, saying sports entertainer and you know all that types of stuff uh but for the most part bro it was just like they were talking about new japan and pro wrestling noah and you know all these different types of different promotions promotions from you know the uk and you know it, it, it was just cool seeing like just a natural pro wrestling just product and it was just like of course with the um backing and the company banner of wwe being over it as to the glitz and glamour uh, of the whole presentation so uh yeah it, it was cool man like this is this is a like a really really cool tournament to go back and watch i'm glad we're doing this yeah because it, it's obviously you're kind of used to it now aren't you promotions crisscrossing especially with everything AEW yeah. were doing but yeah at the time you know seeing Kota Ribushi in a WWE ring and you know <laughs> the mentions of all the different promotions and stuff yeah it's definitely feels like you know another world ago um i mean just a bit of background because obviously we do go back to 2016. I remember at the time this had been rumored for a while in early 2016 that WWE were going to do some kind of cruiserweight tournament and people were unsure about what it was going to look like or who they were going to use and stuff. And then I think it was around March, April time that, it, you know, they made the official announcement. I think they originally were calling it the Global Cruiserweight Series before changing it to the Ooh. Cruiserweight Classic. <laughs> doesn't quite roll off the tongue does that global cruiserweight series the same as the cwc and um and yeah it was 32 participants billed as a uh, 205 pounds or under and picking some names from around the world of wrestling um WWE even reached out to uh indie promotions like red pro and progress here in the uk and then evolve and american combat wrestling in the usa to host qualifying matches and i do remember at the time when these announcements were getting big cheers at the likes of progress and red pro that you were like oh we're going to be doing a qualifying match for this um for this tournament i mean 
what little people knew then about that how that would turn out. You know, uh, signs of uh, <laughs> WWE getting in bed with the uh, UK promotions, obviously not Red Pro, but Progress, and you know signing up all. But it is interesting to see the, you know, the reactions then to what it would probably be now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that, that I, I think hindsight is going to be a thing that we you know use a lot during the recording of this podcast because there's so much stuff that like we, we of course we, we didn't peep back then but but now years later like everything sort of makes sense and stuff like that but I, I do think that's a that's an interesting talking point that i'm sure we'll go over is you know the the, the nxt's expansion you know into the overseas market it's, it's sort of i mean not not obviously but particularly in the in the, in the uk market I, I wouldn't say it necessarily started here but you know this you can see this is like sort of somewhat of the of the of the beginning stages and you know trying to recruit mo- most if not all of these talents um mm. you, you know there was a couple of guys of course who turned down the opportunity to uh sign with wwe and i'm sure we'll you know we will go into that when we, when we focus in more of those specific talents but uh you know that, that's an interesting talking point you mentioned about you know sort of what, what, what was to come and you know of course what we at now with nxt uk and stuff like that and you know so yeah, I I think that's gonna be an interesting talking point that we uh that we eventually go. Well, over. look at Evolve don't even exist anymore, and they they were having <laughs> that, 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 for this. <laughs> yeah, that, WWE owns Evolve and gave Sapolsky not even there no more. So that's yeah, a, uh, yeah that's some um, because uh, what, what was that? I think that was last summer, t- summer twenty twenty one, I believe that that uh, it was I did a, yeah summer twenty twenty one I believe it was that WWE uh that that story came out. Um, from from PW Insider that WWE had acquired Evolve, and you know it, this has been confirmed by uh, Gabe Sapolsky, who's no longer with the company. Uh, so yeah, the, and I, like we, you know, Drew Gulak was in his tournament, and he was doing the the cash point handshake and stuff like that. I, I forgot who he wrestled. Um, I, I think I, I, he wrestled somebody on one of these Evolve shows to get qualified for the tournament. I remember I saw an article on uh, on WWE.com about that. I can't remember who he was facing, but yeah, they, they was doing Tra- the whole, uh, sauce Tracy Williams. They I saw so, Tracy it, yeah, Williams. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. It, on the Evolve show, the, the qualifying matches were TJP against uh, Fred Yehi and then Drew Gulak against Tracy Williams. On yeah. the UK side of things, you had Zack Sabre Jr. beating Flash Morgan Webster and Jack Gallagher beating Pete Dunne. Um, and then for Red Pro, you had Noam Dar defeating Josh Bodden. Um, yeah, and then for the American Combat Wrestling one, it was Lindsay Dorada defeating Romeo Cavedo. And then Tony Neese um, won a uh, sort of like scramble match, and he he was entered into the tournament. I suppose, should we go through the competitors who, uh, I mean, it's a yeah, big, yeah, big old list here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We had um, Akira Tazawa, who was fresh coming out of Dragon Gate at the time. Then Alejandro says, Anthony Bennett, Aria Divari, the Brian Kendrick, Cedric Alexander, Clement <laughs> Petiot, Demac out of uh, WXW, Damien Slater, Drew Gulak, who you just mentioned then, Fabian Eichner, who was a fell out of favor with WWE recently, it seems, um, Grand Metallic. <laughs> <laughs> Gerv Shearer, Harv Shearer, Ho Ho Lon, remember him? Jack Got Gallagher, ho, ho. Jason Lee, Johnny Gargano, Kenneth Johnson, Coat Rebouche, Lindsay Dorada, Mustafa Ali, Noam Dar, Raul Mendoza, Rich Swan, Sean Maluta, TJP, Tajiri, Tommaso Ciampa, Tony Nese, Tyson Ducks, and Zack Sabre Jr., and I had totally forgotten going into this that Tajiri was a part of this. Obviously, I remembered the whole story of Brian Kendrick, you know, 
doing the loop round again, trying to get one more shot in WWE. That was all storyline they presented him with. But yeah, totally forgot that Tajiri was still, I mean, still wrestling today. He's still going strong um, over in Japan and stuff. And I'm, I think he's doing um, a mini tour of the UK and Ireland um, sometime this year. But yeah, interesting to see Tajiri in this one. I totally forgot he was a part of it. Yeah, Tajiri had just... Uh... Not, not too long ago, he just finished up a run with MLW. He actually won the world middleweight title uh, in a four-way. Um, and, and I know Myron Reed was involved, and I actually talked to Myron uh, about that. He's telling me about how Tajiri inspired him. And he, like, his his ring gear is, like, sort of a, a playoff of what Tajiri wore or still wears uh, when, when he wrestles and just thought about how a big fan of a Tajiri was. And I, I think Myron actually, I think he defeated uh, Tajiri uh, in, a, in, a, in another multi-person match. Uh, to win back the middleweight title, so yeah, uh, I was it was cool to see to Jerry to Jerry like he he's one of those people, man. Like I, I think his his longevity is not discussed enough, and, and maybe that's because maybe that's just within um you know sort of U.S. circles because mm-hmm. the guy I think that's maybe because like we don't see him as often as, as we used to, but it was it was definitely cool seeing to Jerry in his tournament. Of course, it's 2016. He's he still going hard to this day, like you mentioned. Like he had a good showing. Uh, for that period that he was in MLW, he took the title over there back to all Japan and defended it over there for a little bit. But yeah, he had a so Jerry had a really nice showing um, in his tournament, man. And he, you know, he held his own. Like they, I, I think they brought it up more when Brian, you know, his experience doing matches. And you know, of course, you got to bring up the uh, the age factor and stuff like that. But like mm-hmm. to Jerry was like, the, he he was hanging with everybody. Like to Jerry, like I, I, I'm I'm glad. The one thing I'm glad I didn't hear is that you still got a chance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm so glad the crowd, the crowd didn't do that because I was like, he never like stopped wrestling. Like he just mm. left WWE. That's just all it was. But yeah, the Jerry had a great showing in this tournament. Yeah, we had a few uh, fight forever chance and that Shank can get in the bin. But um, <laughs> oh, that, oh, yeah, yeah. Did, did you, what, what's the name was supposed to be um, in this tournament? Uh, Sarah Tan. You know who that is? No. Uh, Sasha Banks' husband. He was supposed to be in this tournament. All ah, right. Okay. Yeah, but he, right. he, um, uh, I, what happened was he was supposed he he got asked to be um well the, the year prior West, WrestleMania thirty one I think that was that year uh twenty fifteen yep and he he had, that's when he started doing this gear making stuff for WWE and then when it came time for the like when they were putting together the Cruiserweight Classic um William Regal and uh Kane and Seaman had asked him if he wanted to be in the tournament but he hadn't wrestled in like a full year because he was so like they he they had him swamped with the costume stuff so like he he just like put that to the side and you know yeah really focus on the money that wwe giving you what they paying you to do so he was just like at that point he, he was like really questioning himself and he didn't really know like if he still could go in the ring after being out for almost a full year so he's like he, he just i guess he just came to the conclusion that like if he's doubting his in-ring skills then maybe that's a sign that he need to hang it up and then that's when he just like stepped away completely yeah. but yeah, he was he, he was supposed to be in that tournament i i didn't know that till like uh a couple of weeks ago oh wow i things could have been different for him if he ended, ended up being in that tournament yeah it's interesting you know these revolving doors that you get with things like this but um i suppose back onto the uh onto the show itself because they did announce um at the time do five tapings that they had in total aired weekly on the wwe network at the time with the final actually streaming live on the wwe network and obviously we're not going to go through every single match, you know, it's yeah. far too many matches, but we'll just uh, <laughs> choose a few from each show and obviously the uh, the semifinals and the finals. Because um, 
And I remember watching this when it first released was the bracketology because they had a, a special, didn't they? Uh, basically running down each competitor and giving you their backgrounds and story. Um, really excellent presentation, you know, giving you a reason to care. You know, everyone had a story and um, and time to tell people why they should care about them as competitors. You know, we had TJP giving his story about living on the streets for a while. Kendrick was the person who was looking for one last go around after being in WWE before. Cedric Alexander trying to prove himself to his daughter. Kota Ibushi just wanting to wrestle all over the world. Just great mm-hmm. stuff from everybody. A really great presentation of them. Some of the best presentation they've done in terms of like getting people across and the storylines and things. Um, it was hilarious around this time. This is obviously for Kota Ibushi after... He'd uh, not signed another deal with um, New Japan. I think this is around the time that he'd set up the uh, Kota Ibushi Wrestling Institution, which um, God knows what happened to that thing or what it was anyway. But um, in his interviews, he just seems to be saying that he wants to wrestle around the world and this was his opportunity to do it. Um, My only issue with some of these vignettes was they kept having them point at the CWC sign like it was WrestleMania or something. (laughs) I mean, just, just some stood in a ring pointing at the sign. That was absolutely hilarious. Uh, no, that's uh, the, the the one thing I did uh, really like about this tournament. Like, I I, I I would say everybody got a video package. Like every single competitor got whatever, whether it was thirty seconds or whether it was a minute or twenty seconds or whatever the hell it was. Everybody had the opportunity to have their story told and sort of at least have the opportunity to get people to get invested in them or to have a reason to care about them or sort of draw that connection to the you know the 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 wrestler the, the the character they're presenting on tv or whatever it may be so yeah i, th- I think that was a nice uh, a nice touch right there the, the part about you the part about them uh point to the wrestlemania i say the wrestlemania sign the cruiserweight classic sign it's, it's hilarious <laughs> i know yeah definitely but yeah like you like just what you said there it was just great presentation and just giving people a reason to care about these guys that you know not a lot of people have heard of at the time you know especially sort of like hardcore wwe fans might not have known these guys and just gave it was a great introduction to them all so yeah really really well done then um free show about, we I, had now i was about to say with a with a bushi uh like because you know he, he didn't sign with uh new japan but like i, I know I, I think wwe they had offered him a deal too did they and i, I know abushi had like sort of you know turn that down and stuff like that i know he had released a statement uh like about that whole thing and like i had uh jotted like a little bit of it down but like the 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 sort of the basis of what he was saying was like everything that he was doing was just for the benefit of japanese wrestling and the better the scene and, and not saying that he was like going to, to the cruiserweight classic being like oh yeah this like he, he he wanted to do that and like you know do do the do the best that he could for the overall betterment professional wrestling as a whole but like the basis of what he was saying was like everything that he does and everything that he's doing everything that he has done is for the betterment of Japanese wrestling. And that was like his whole thing about it, about uh, you know, not signing with WWE. But I I they they did they did want Abushi to like sign a deal or or, or some along those lines and he he turned that down, which I, I'm kinda hindsight being twenty twenty. I ain't gonna lie, I'm kinda glad he ain't signed that deal, Martin. That I don't, no, yeah, I don't know definitely. how that would have turned out. <laughs> they 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 they, they, they the stuff the Bushi on two oh five live, man. They had stuff well, that was the rumor, that, wasn't it, it? That he he was originally slated to win the thing, yeah. and then when he said that he didn't want to sign with WWE, that's why he, he just ends up in the semi-final. Can, can you imagine, like what Kota Bushi would have been doing twenty sixteen before two or five lab even started? Remember when mm-hmm. they uh, this, this was this was like because I remember when the, um like towards the back end, of the, uh, 
the, the back end of the tournament on the episode they got listed on Peacock and the network and stuff. Like that's when they started promoting like the cruiserweights are coming to Raw. Cruiserweights are coming to Raw. Bro, they had like once they had that once they had one spot, like when they would remember they changed the ropes to purple. Mm-hmm. And then and, and then they would do that whole thing and they would have like maybe eight or so minutes, like one one match per week. Like I, I couldn't imagine Kosha Kota Abushi being in that being in that spot. Cause like I feel like he would, would be more fitting for a sort of main roster spot. And I know people was even saying that about Pac at the time. Uh, mm-hmm. when, when he was on 12.5 Live and like how people was just like, dude, why is this dude not like on anything other than this, other than this show? But yeah, that, that's, a, that's a whole other thing we could talk about. But yeah, Kota Ibushi uh, definitely had an offer from WWE and he turned that down. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I mean, for each show, we had the commentary team of Daniel Bryan and Mauro Ranallo, where Bryan, obviously, in his retirement in 2016, I thought they worked well together. But Bryan, especially, giving a good account of the wrestlers, you know, obviously having wrestled quite a few of them prior to uh, them joining WWE. But I think he struggled slightly with the WWE style of commentary, you know, mm-hmm. the, like you mentioned earlier, you know, calling the hardest part of the apron. You know. <laughs> I, I feel like Mauro, though, is obviously quite a Marmite figure with fans. Um, but I felt he did, he did well here because he didn't go as too bombastic. And sometimes that can sort of like be a bit jarring sometimes. But I thought uh, him and Brian worked pretty well together here on commentary. I thought, um, you know, Brian was trying to give a good account and trying to do this sort of like WWE style commentary and then Mario was um, helping to cover for him quite a bit. Yeah, I, I feel like they did mesh well together. Um, I feel like Brian, like like you said, uh, the fair point about him, um, you know, sort of playing to the WWE style of commentary. And then, you know, he he also like we did, you know, his own personal accounts of like what he was taking in and what he knows from these specific individuals from wrestling them and stuff like that. So I thought that was a, I thought that was a nice touch. And, you know, I would, I, Brian had retired like four months before this tournament took mm-hmm. place before it was, before it was taped. Like, do, do you, you think that this tournament was like when Brian started to um, get sort of get the, I mean, I, I know it was only like four or five months, like after he announced retirement, but do you think it was at this point where he started, you know, clearly excited about the matches that were happening in this tournament? Do you think this was at a point like where he was like, maybe the wheels started turning a little bit about maybe one day, Coming back because it was literally what two years later that he got cleared and then he came back and uh and, and had his return match at Mania 34 in New Orleans. So like like and and like I remember there was this one time doing commentary doing the uh, Cruiserweight Classic when he was like, you know, if I ever decided to come back to wrestling, like you know what I'm saying, just like do you think this was like at that point or at least at some point during this tournament where maybe like those wheels started turning for Brian about like okay maybe one day down the line, like probably didn't know it was going to be two years later, but like that, that he could possibly come back to wrestling. No, I don't think he ever, he ever wanted to leave. It was just yeah, sort yeah. Of like the advisement, weren't it? And I don't, I don't think he ever wanted to leave. So yeah, he definitely always was wanting to come back at some point. And obviously he managed to get the opportunity to do that. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't think um, as, as much as him and Mauro did made a good, team and stuff i don't i don't think um he was half as comfortable on commentary as it maybe would like to have been but um like i said i felt they had a a decent showing um but i suppose let's get into rounds one and two i like i said i thought we aren't gonna go through every match as good as the presentation of competitors was you know um there's just too many matches going on in the opening rounds but some, some really good ones um especially in round one i thought the highlight of it was uh johnny gargano facing tomaso champa um I mean, obviously, this is prior to all the matches they had against each other, and they were still just uh, DIY at the time. Really, really enjoyable match between the two, really hard-hitting with 
Champa hitting an air raid crash on the apron, actually stopping himself from removing his knee pad to go into the in for the kill on Gargano. And Johnny picked up the win via a crucifix and a fun match. And, you know, we don't get all the melodrama of the later outings that we got, you know, when they were headlining NXT shows, you know, with the looking at the hands and the multi kickouts and stuff. And for me, best match of uh, the round one, the, the round one, I thought. Yeah, Gargano and Champa, man, they like it was a I think it was just the, the simplicity of the story. And and not that their story wasn't layered or anything like that, but I mean it's just a very simple story. You got two tag partners, both of them want to win. And then they had the segment um prior to the match where you know Champa was very forceful towards Gargano and got you know Gargano was like, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. And you know, it was like just just like very simple stuff like that, just answer the overall match. And I, I think they went out there and had a great one. Um, you know, crowd was clearly into it, and then I think the probably the one of the best moments outside of the the, the Cedric Alexander one, the Cedric Alexander moment was when uh when when, John, when Gargano extended his hand and Champa walked out, and then the crowd was like, oh, you know, they they they, they didn't boo him, but they were just like, come on, bro, you ain't gonna shake his hand, and he got back in the ring, and instead of shaking his hand uh, initially, he went and uh, sat down on the mat with Gargano, and they just sat there for a little bit and then hugged it out. I, th- I thought that was like a nice, cool moment that sort of um playing into you know the future matches that they had you know before uh you know before before, before y'all start uh for y'all start turning on gargano and champa man for y'all turn y'all turned on them but uh <laughs> nah, but 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 nah, there, there, there were points doing that because uh, i know we talked about it during the, um the, the takeover in new orleans um the review that we did like there, there were points doing that few where it was like they they really did drag that shit but but i think that was due to champa getting injured so like but at sometimes i feel like when stuff like that happens it's best to just move on and not try to continue it like months after somebody has been off tv like maybe she just sort of dead it where you know where it stopped and i think that's where it, that's the thing i think that's where people really soured on it. and even i kind of lost interest in it um you know a little bit especially when they started doing the constant you know this person turned it down they're cool and then they turn it and they're cool like i i can definitely see where people like sort of got turned off or completely got turned off from that whole thing but but yeah, this was the just the you know the ground level part of the Champa Gargano story, and it was a it was a good match. Yeah, it was, and like I said, nice simple storylines. Just two tag partners who the crowd both knew and and really liked, and obviously had been enjoying their uh, their matches as tag team and seeing them face off against each yeah. other. Yeah, and they were obviously really over with the crowd. Yeah, really enjoyable first round match. Um, they, they they had um. Gargano, like around this time, this 2016 time period, they they almost got signed to like these um these like second tier deals mm. with, with WWE. Like, did, like it, I th- I think this was because I know later in the tournament, I, I know you probably saw it when they um like when they showed the footage. Uh, it was I think it was before Gargano and TJP. They showed the footage of Champa and uh, Gargano wrestling uh, FTR at the Takeover Brooklyn Two show. And like I, I think it was like months before, the, like pro- probably around the time of the first taping of the Cruiserweight Classic, um, Gargano and Champa had got offered these like second tier deals where it would allow them to be signed to WWE but still work the Indies and stuff like that. And then like, I guess like word had like got around to you know some of the higher ups in WWE, like you know that, that I'm, I'm assuming that didn't necessarily deal with like with the, the ins and outs in NXT, but sort of handled you know, the contracts and stuff like that. And they were just like, we cannot do that. 
like so they they, they they like they like dead it they like dead it that immediately but like it, it would have been interesting because they because i remember gargano had said that samoa joe was supposed to be on that same type of deal like he'd have been able to work in xt and still do uh an independent day so it would have been interesting to see like if you know if, if that would have came to fruition like who else that could have affected and like what, what like what could have came from that but uh yeah go back back to you know gargano and champ i definitely think this was probably a a standout match of the first round like when i'm looking at um you know all the all the competitors like it kind of it, it kind of seemed like for the most part like just for this first round it seemed like there was a i, I don't know if you agree martin but it seemed like in like it, it was a there was a star in this match or a, a highlight talent in this match and then you had a so i say this right like a, a, a lesser star that they were going against mm. with that, that's like the problem where it seemed like like you know like when, when you look at it, making right? up the numbers sort of thing. They knew who yeah, they wanted yeah, to push and they knew it, who were gonna exactly succeed like, in the like, tournament. Yeah. Like like you got Akira Tazawa and Kenneth Johnson. You got Tajiri and Damian Slater. You got Graham Metalik and Alejandre Says. You got Drew Gulak and uh Harold Shearer. You got Zach Saber Jr. and Tyson Dukes. You know, you you know you 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 get what I'm trying to say. And and it's no it's no yeah. slight on any of those people, but you 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 can kind of see like the format of what it was. It's like, okay. Talent, we're planning to push. Talent, we're going to give some spotlight to, and then we'll have those guys who we plan to push eventually meet up in the next rounds. Like, is that you, you can, can you kind of see that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, they had to have you know certain people that they were going to push in this thing, and, and certain people they weren't going to. And obviously, it shows by who they signed after it. But I suppose moving on to round two and. One of the best matches of the whole tournament. We had Cedric Alexander against Kuribushi. Yes. And, uh, yes. Push easily. the agenda, Martin. Let's push the agenda. Let's do it right now. Let's do well, it. We have, we have to. I mean, easily two of the standouts, <laughs> standout wrestlers of this whole tournament. Super fast-paced after the sort of like the early feeling out process. Kota missing the triangle moonsault to the outside with Alexander following up with a perfect Tope Con Hilo. And... These guys just make everything look so smooth in this. Ibushi getting a near fall with the standing cork through Munsalt. Lots of near falls at the end with Kota picking up the win with the Golden Star Powerbomb. Um, Ibushi obviously had a load of hype and anticipation leading into this tournament, didn't he? Being a free agent from New Japan yeah. and people being aghast seeing him in a WWE ring. But Cedric was just as good in this match. Really got the fans behind him. Even though he lost, the fans were chanting, please sign him, to which Triple H came out, who gave the thumbs up and the rest's history. I mean, we can talk a bit about how the people fared after this tournament later, but what a match these two had, and how instantly Cedric Alexander got over with this crowd after only two matches. Bro, Cedric Alexander had a amazing showing in this tournament and in this specific match of Kota. But like, I, this... I mean, I, it's, it's obvious as hell now, but this is definitely, you know, the reason he got signed. I'm talking about speaking from a hindsight perspective. Like, of course, like, you know, we saw the part where Triple H came out and he raised his hand. He slapped the shit out of Cedric when he came out. So I was like, what the fuck was that? Like, he, he like, came over there. He, he slapped the shit out of Cedric. And then, like, it, it was, like, one of those things, like, he was soaking that shit in. Triple H was like, all right, buddy. Like, he, like, put, pushed him to the back. I'm like, okay. But uh, no, no, I'm just joking around. But, uh, yeah, Cedric had a... um. He had a standout performance in that match with Kota Ibushi, man. Like, the, the way that Cedric moves around the ring, he moves, like, like it seems like everything he does is, like, very crisp and very smooth. Like, I could list off, like, probably five or six people that, pro, or, or, like, just that, that really come to mind that sort of move the same way. And, like, one, one of them is Swerve Strickland. Like, they had this sort of, like, not not to be dramatic, but, like, they had this sort of um 
what's the word like grace when they move around the ring like everything they do looks very clean and, and crisp and very sharp and like Cedric is one of those people man it's like his kicks facial expressions and selling like the dude is like really like because I had honestly because you know we don't, I don't really see him on TV like that and I, I ain't fucking watching no main event you know to see this dude wrestle with, uh like it, it, he he does everything very crisp man and I, I it just reminded me like his 205 live running the whole age of alexander stuff that he was doing and you know that i think about the match that he had with roderick strong with 205 uh leading up to that uh cruiserweight championship tournament and um you know the matches he had with ali and the matches he had with buddy matthews and you know matches he had with gulak and etc cetera, etc cetera, and matches he had with leo rush on 205 and like it just reminded me how great of a wrestler cedric is so I, I it is truly like a disappointment to sort of see that he wasn't able to um, break out outside of that 205 Live space. Because like I feel like in WWE, and I'm pretty sure you would agree, Martin, that they oftentimes don't have that mindset of that. If you if you just put somebody on TV and let them wrestle, they can get over. Like, mm. I, I, I think we've seen more than enough cases to know that that can definitely be a thing. Like. Uh, and and then at that like it, it like he, he had opportunities to talk on two or five live and I think he handled himself well on the mic from what I uh from what I can recall um but but yeah Cedric definitely had a star making um performance in, in this match and you know you gotta get credit to Dakota Bougie too because you know it take two to tango and two to do that in there but like I think Cedric like he like you said um you know he really won this crowd over he had these people like I, I like. All the focus was probably on Ibushi. And I'm pretty sure, like, when the tournament first got announced, a lot of people probably pinned Kota Ibushi as somebody who's probably going to win it. Um, but seeing Cedric come out there, man, and he's got these people behind him, and of course, got the please sign Cedric, and, you know, eventually led to him getting signed. Like, it, it is kind of sort of disappointing to to see that he isn't in a more, um, at least, like, in a U.S. title, in a kind of no title picture. Mm. Like, because I don't, I don't really think outside of the, the herd business, um, he really didn't hasn't done that much in WWE outside of, you know, cruiserweight stuff. And, you know, like I mentioned, the hurt business. So, but yeah, man, that, this is a great performance from Cedric, a uh, great performance from Abushi. Uh, one of my favorite matches of the tournament, probably my favorite match uh, of the entire tournament, man. This was a, this was a really great match. And I highly recommend people go rewatch this. If you, uh, if you've ever seen it recently. Yeah, I think you can say that about a few of these who ended up signing with WWE, but I suppose we can talk about that in a bit. So moving on to the, uh, quarterfinals, Brian Kendrick against Kota Ibushi, you know, it's that man again, Ibushi against Brian Kendrick yeah, I mentioned before but there are a few people in this tournament who aren't really involved in wrestling anymore with you know, the uh, allegations yeah. against Jack Gallagher in speaking out and some of the horrendous conspiracy things, you know, it was discovered Kendrick had said prior to his uh, AW debut that ended up getting cancelled, but yeah, I thought they did a perfect story with him. The vet compared to some of the others, you know, he's had to get those had to go around in WWE desperate for that one last shot. And Brian obviously knows him from his days of Spanky and is really, really rooting for him on commentary. You Kendrick. Fucking Homer. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> he was really going all in. I mean, he was all in on Ibushi for the first uh, couple of rounds, weren't he? And then as soon as he was up against Kendrick, it was all about Kendrick. But, um, it's funny because going da, da, into the Dan, match, Danielson, Danielson switched up on a bougie hard when it was time to face Kendrick. Yeah, he was, like, he was <laughs> hella unloyal when when it was because Danielson was all over a bougie like the first two rounds. Like mm-hmm. a, a, every time, every time the bougie kicks somebody, or you hear his brown or commentary, oh my gosh! A, a, every time, <laughs> every time, bro. But uh, but nah, he, he he definitely played home to um to to to, to Kendrick, and then it all uh you know came came to that 
you know, that culmination when uh, Kendrick lost to Ibushi and stuff like that, and he had that moment with with, with Danielson in the ring. Too bad that's a uh, that, that that memory doesn't uh, has a sort of a stain on it because of Brian Kendrick and his uh, you know his conspiracy theories. But I digress, Martin. Well, you can continue, sir. Yeah, because the, obviously Kendrick has got that look of determination on his face all the way through the match. You know, hitting Kota with a neckbreaker over the ring post. You know, with Morrow started reminding us here that Kota had uh, had his neck surgically repaired, yeah, which came yeah. up a lot in the later matches. Um, Kendrick even hits a Bernie Hammer, and that's when Brian went absolutely thermal, <laughs> wasn't he? And really losing his voice then. Um, but alas, Ibushi is too much for Kendrick as he hits a last drive powerbomb for the win, and Brian comes out to the ring to commiserate with his friend. Um, really, really great emotion in this match, and um, I thought they did a, a really great job with um, getting over you know Brian Kendrick's story but obviously Kotorabushi was uh, was too much for him but someone I did want to mention because um he had a, he had a good showing in the tournament but not sort of like really matches that stand out from the others was a uh, Rich Swan because you know he had a, had a good quarterfinals match against uh, TJP and really really got over with the crowd didn't he no Rich Swan like I I, I vividly Remember, because I, I I've seen matches of his outside of WWE, but that was only through this tournament. I think I remember when I started looking looking up um Rich Swan stuff because I know he was in CZW for a little bit too, and I think that's where I saw like a portion of this stuff on YouTube, stuff like that. Rich Swan is like he I I don't want to say underrated because I'm pretty sure there's people out there who appreciate what Rich Swan is doing the ring, and I know he had a couple uh bangers for impact over the past couple of years like when he was a you know we was a world champion stuff like that but man swan like like it's, it's even like the small stuff about his presentation in wwe that i really like like the he had the right theme song like all like all that types of stuff and of course you know when it's time to come in the ring and when it's time to go in the ring you know he delivered like i i, I vividly remember um when he was doing that feud with with kendrick I believe it was, and like they were telling this story. Well, it's not a story; it's, you know, it's fucking real life. But you know, he was talking about how you know his his mother passed away at the time, and like stuff like you know, lost other family members and, and and whatnot, and like just talking about like his upbringing and you know how rough it was and stuff like that. He like he endeared himself to a lot of people doing that uh that early two hundred five live run. And I remember he got that he got a big pop when he won the um the, the cruiserweight title. Like he did that uh he used to do this mean um this mean roundhouse kick or spin kick or it's like similar to the um the the, the one that Malachi Black was the the, the black mass is like very similar to that um and he Rich Swan used to he used to get like a like you know what I'm saying he used to get like a nice a nice pop like when he when he actually hit the move and stuff like that meaning from like the the, the sound of his you know a slapping the style whatever like that and it always came off and looked good but yeah man Swan used to always be one of my favorite people to watch when it uh, comes to this you know 205 live time period man you know some unfortunate uh what went down you know between him and a significant other but you know they seem to got that hashed out so you know no need to dive into that but yeah man i bet you know that i think that led to him getting you know released from wwe unfortunately so um yeah man swan definitely one of my favorites in this tournament like you know just very very naturally cool wrestler and you know it it, it was great to see him in the in these spots i did i did i do think he had a um yeah, a really good match with, with TJP. I think Swan had a like just a great showing in all three matches, like how um you could say most people, but you know, I, I think one of the more underrated people that had a great run in this tournament as far as like in ring quality was Rich Swan. 
Oh, yeah. And I remember seeing him in Red Pro and stuff prior to this when he was tag team with Ricochet, the enemy machine guns. Yeah. And he was always super impressive there and always got over with the crowd, you know, no matter where he faced. But yeah, I did just want to mention him because um, it's not really got any matches that we're going to go into. But yeah, I thought he, he did. He, he had a, a good run in this tournament. Um, well, I suppose moving on to the uh, the finals, the final show, we had um, both semi-final matches, a tag team match between DIY and Cedric Alexander and Noam Dart, and of course the finals of the tournament. So moving into the first semi-final, and Zack Sabre Jr. against Grand Metallic, there's two that were not mentioned so far, and not really spoke much about Zack, because it's, it's really funny seeing him in these vignettes talking about how much it would mean to him to win the tournament, and just listening to them just it comes across as really sarcastic but i don't know if that's mm-hmm. because i'm so used to the 2022 zach promos where he just basically texts the piss makes fun of his opponents uh, but it was funny seeing him in these he's in these vignettes now and grandma talik obviously mascaro dorada in cml new japan had a name change for this tournament and I always think that Zach works really well with flyers. Obviously, his great counters to yeah. their moves always work so well. And and both styles work really good in this match with Zach's fantastic submissions, tying Metallic up, and then the flip side with the incredible flying. Both really came across well, and Metallic picking up the win and going into the final here. Hey, hey Mod, it is in the, I, don't, I don't know if you, if you um, picked up on this too, but like, did, 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 you, did you sort of notice, like, of course, by seeing Zach throughout this tournament, did, did you like end up like having that moment where you realize like how much better he's gotten, like where he is right now versus where he was in 2016? Like, it, I, I feel like it was like clear as the and, and not saying that he was like bad or anything in this term, but I'm talking about like, like his, his skill set and his move set and like mm. how much better he's gotten with the counters and stuff like that to where he is now in New Japan compared to what he was. I was like, dude, he's gotten like miles better. Like, I, I don't think he ever stopped like trying to, you know, improve himself. Oh, well, I certainly think he, he was really good in the tournament and really good in yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. Red Pro and stuff around the time. But yeah, like you said, yeah, he's, he's definitely always improving and, and doing sort of like different moves and, you know, really, you know, expanding his arsenal of sort of like submission maneuvers and always sort of like coming out with something new in matches. But yeah, um, yeah, I can totally see where you're coming from with that one. Yeah, and uh, with a grand man elite. But, but matter of fact, but before we, uh, you know, get to the finals and stuff like that, you want to know who had a low key great showing in this tournament. I would say I would say good showing. He had a good showing in this tournament, Akira Tozawa. He really mm. did. Uh, he, he had a good show. And my, my probably my favorite my favorite thing about his run in this tournament was Danielson uh talking about how he had better Germans than Brock Lesnar. Like he he, he <laughs> Danielson he like he would not let this guy I remember when Morrow had uh stepped in he was like he was like Akira Tozawa has the best German suplex in the entire tournament and more was like <laughs> but, you, but you was like, like well you know WWE's resident beast Brock Lesnar might have something to say about that Danielson was like Danielson was like Tazawa has the best German suplex in the whole tournament like he he put that over like the whole time and I remember I think it was um I think it was the match he had against Metalik when he hit him with the German and uh I think Brian actually said it again he was like well you know he has a better German suplex than Brock Lesnar like I I really like those points that Danielson was bringing up and even relating it back to Ibushi because like if you haven't seen some of these individuals outside of the Cruiserweight class then you know you really don't know much about them so I feel like by Danielson sort of spotlighting with like what Ibushi did and what what Akira Tozawa did as far as like Ibushi's kicks and uh, Tozawa's German I feel like it goes a long way with people who haven't 
been able to see some of these individuals outside of this uh this presentation of the Cruiserweight Classic, like it just it, it just goes a long way, and especially as the tournament progresses, when you get those early sayings in, like at the beginning stages of the tournament, and you know it starts to progress throughout. I feel like that just adds a lot to each uh to each competitor. And I, I feel like Danielson sort of did that like a little bit for a lot of people. Like he did that with uh Kendrick when Kendrick had the bully choke, like he put that over real big and stuff like that. Same thing with Tajiri with his kicks, Gulak with his you know submission prowess and stuff like that. Like I, I you know, but Danielson did like a really good job of like doing doing like the little small things, like mm-hmm. things that we don't really sort of realize in a moment, but like it's in our subconscious stuff like that. Like I, I feel like he did a great job with those like those little small things. Yeah, it's always good to sometimes have a wrestler in there, isn't it? To sort of like, you know, pick up on the things the commentators might not do in, in terms of that. But I mean, going back to Kira Tazawa, I mean, he was coming off, you know, being great in Dragon Gate, doing the yeah. stuff in PWG with Ricochet and uh, Uha Nation and the like. And then, Andrew, what's he up to now? Uh, Tazawa was rocking a ninja suit on a weekly basis on, uh, on Monday Night Raw, currently in the 24-7 title picture. I think he'd been there for like, I want to say almost two years now. Like he, he, he locked in in the twenty four seven title picture, man. But uh, like the, the, such was a, a shame, such a. I mean, yeah. the, the amount of talent yeah, he, that guy has gotten to be doing all that sort of stuff. He he, Tazawa is clearly a, a, a great wrestler. Like the the only thing I, I I look at it like this, I'm like, he more than likely, well, not even more than likely, is preserving his body. Like he ain't getting beat mm-hmm. up for nothing. So like, if he does, and I don't, I, I don't, don't want to, you know say that i want him to like leave wwe or whatever like that because like i don't know what the fuck he wants to do but um you know if, if he if he were to he ain't gonna be beat up you know what i'm saying like he's preserving his body i'm pretty sure you know it's taking care of him and stuff like that but yeah he's definitely one of those people along the list of people along a, probably a lengthy list of people in wwe who you can look at and be like they should be doing much more with this person like i feel like he was able to show a little bit of that on 205 um he had a couple I don't, I don't think Zawa won the Cruiserweight title. I, I think he he challenged for it a couple of times, but he was able to show his personality on 205 Live and like get the crowd behind him. And I know like the, the big thing about his presentation was him doing the Lord the ha 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 and you know getting the crowd all uh, riled up with that stuff. So yeah, but to, like I'm talking about just so strictly from an in ring standpoint, like I think it's clear as day. Like we all know Zawa was a great wrestler, um, and you know hopefully one day you know we'll get to see that whether that be in WWE or outside of WWE, but. Yeah, man, he he's definitely one along those list of people, along with Cedric Alexander, um, you know, Drew Gulak, who just got tapped out uh, on uh, on SmackDown a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a list of people, man, that you could look at, and you know, I, I'll probably say that the only person in this tournament that's still with WWE that's like doing big things right now is um, maybe you you could you could say Tommaso Ciampa because he's on Raw right now. He just made his uh attack Mustafa Ali but probably like the most consistent out of anybody right now is um uh uh Raul Mendoza Cruz del Toro because he's been doing the stuff with like I don't know if it has I don't know if you've seen any of that but he's with uh Santos Escobar of the what was it oh he'll down for Tasma uh he's been with him and and, and uh Woken Wild so they've been doing that for like a good year I think two years now so yeah he's probably the most consistent one but but yeah uh Tazawa had a really great run in this tournament man and uh yeah, I, I definitely think he's along the list of people in this tournament that sort of didn't uh, have the greatest of runs uh, in WWE post-205 Live. 
Yeah, because we, I mean, you mentioned a bunch of people who ended up signing, but apparently, um, unlike a lot of the offers, uh, Zach Saber Jr. wasn't committed to signing with WWE and Boomer. I think <laughs> that's why he, he, he was originally supposed to make it to the finals. This is obviously prior to him signing with New Japan. He wouldn't do that until 2017, and he'd been in nowhere a while, and was best known for his stuff in Progress and Red Pro and PWG. And Zach himself even said um, it'd be like asking a musician why didn't you sign with the biggest record label? I'm just concerned with being the best professional wrestler I can be. It was reality. It was just the personal choice. This is my path. So um, I, I suppose he was just testing the waters, just wanting to, you know, get WWE out of his system before he was moving on to Japan because that was clearly his um, his goal there. But let's move on to the next semifinal. And I was about to say, TJP had actually said in an interview that... Uh, that, you know, he he claimed this. I, I I don't know how true like this specific portion is. Uh, there's a part about Zach Saber Jr. in there, but like he TJP said that he knew, like that he was going to end up. He was he knew, he knew that he was going to be in the finals of the tournament, and he got asked claims he got asked, um, who would he like to face? And I'm like it was between either uh uh but anybody that 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 you know, that final crop you know for that was in that last episode, and he wanted to face Zach, and he told the powers that be like that he wanted to face Zach and stuff like that. But from what TJP says, he was told that him and Zach Styles were a little too similar. So like they, they sort of like vetoed that a little bit, but I think it also goes in line to probably the same thing with Ibushi is that Zach probably didn't want to sign a deal. So they didn't want to put him in the finals, but they had met a league. They probably, you know, met a league was locked in along with, uh, you know, along with the guys who were part of that initial group of 205 live. So I, I think that was more so part of it. But I, I think it is interesting that uh, you know, that you no, know, if if it is true that he had that sort of option, or he or they they went to him and sort of asked him for his preference, not necessarily like he was the signing factor, but just like a who would you rather type thing. So I, I think that was like one of uh, probably one of the more interesting little notes out out of this tournament. But yeah, I definitely think another one. Hindsight being twenty twenty, Zach definitely made the made the right decision. Because that Zach definitely would have been taking that ill to Enzo Mori on two or five live. So yeah, we, <laughs> oh yeah, I can't even imagine what they'd be doing with Zach Saber Jr. on uh, on WWE TV. Yeah, like they, said, they, a long they, forgotten they, they, toy. They, they they couldn't even get it right with uh uh Kenta when he went mm. to two or five live. So yeah, yeah, dodged the bullet right there, Zach. Oh yeah, he definitely did. But uh, moving on to the second semi final and the match of the tournament for me. I mean, talked a bit before, but the they did a great job with TJP's story, you know, him talking about having the tryouts with WWE before and being in a FCW, but never getting a shot with them, wrestling around the world, even being homeless at one point, and really did a great job building him up as the underdog, just asking for a shot. And this is amazing. I mean, the crowd's really, really into this one, slightly more in favor of Ibushi on this one. And, you know, it was balls to the wall for most of the match, even... TJP kicking out of the uh, of the Phoenix Splash, and it was just oh, sorry the um, uh, out of the power bomb that Ibushi had been beating everyone yeah. with, and just fantastic match. Um, I mean, this is easily my favorite match of the tournament. Um, just great from both, and obviously TJP picking up the win and going into the final. But I, I think Ibushi like that match with TJP. I think he really showed. I mean, he he was doing it throughout the tournament, but I, I don't know. I, I maybe just because this one like specifically had my like um i mean outside of the cedric one like i think this one had my like primary attention like throughout the whole thing but abushi like really showed in this match that he's like a great seller 
like it, it was like even like even doing the Lloyd Lord thing where I think the referee was like at an eight count or something like that. And I think he just got he, he like just fell off the ring apron. It was like it was na- he had just fell off the ring rope and like bounced off the apron. It was nasty. And then like he sort of climbed in at like the eight count and then fell back out. And then he like able to like get right back in, like right before the uh, referee threw up his hand for the 10 count. And like it was like uh one 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 of the nice counters that I remember from this match was when I, I you probably remember this one too was when Abushi went for the Pele kick and the TJP countered into the uh, the knee bar. No, oh, yeah. That 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 that, that was that was a nice ass counter, bro. Like it 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 sort of like reminded me of like um like, like so, so the, the finish of the, the finish of the match for those who don't uh, remember the like, TJP had the knee bar in, and then he like he lifted himself up and like put Abushi in like a and like a neck choke. And like was putting like pulling them back, and I'm bro, I'm a real big fan of like these um like these submission struggles in wrestling to finish a match. Especially like and it, it makes it even better when the crowd is amped up and they're into it. Like I think that just adds to the overall thing. Like when you having these struggles, like it, now, I'm I'm and I'm not, I'm not comparing this to 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 to, to what I'm about to say in, in any way, shape, or form. But I'm just using it as, as an example of like these submission struggles that have like the crowd really into it, and it's like it is it, is very it's very intriguing. It gets you engaged. Like how, uh, how I got Brett had Austin and a sharpshooter. Again, I'm not, I'm not comparing the fucking Abushi and TJP to that, but I'm just saying like these type of submission struggle finishes is like really good. And like the, um, FTR and, uh, Gargano and Champa take over Toronto. Like when, um, when they had, uh, FTR in the submission. And I, I think it was Dax. I, th- I think it was cash who reached over to Dax to stop him from tapping out and, and stuff like that. And like, even more recently, like, um, when, when MJF had uh, Jericho and the salt of the earth, uh, I, I think it was that, that, I think it was a match on dynamite or something like that. And like the crowd was real amped up. And like, I think Jericho looked like he's about to tap and like, he did tap out in that match and stuff like that. So um, it, it, it's just like a number of matches that you can, that you could think about um, or you can look up and stuff like that, to have these like great final stretches when it's a submission finisher and like the crowd is all amped up and they going crazy shit. Like the one um, when, when, when Shayna Baszler, uh, I, I can't remember what takeover it was when Shayna Baszler had uh, Athena in the Carafuda clutch. And like Athena, she was like bouncing around trying to get out of the move. And like they did like these counters in the pins and Shayna still had it locked in. And like the crowd was like doing, doing their ooze and ahs and shit like that. So, so yeah, man, I, I, I like these type of finishes, like I, I, I love it. Especially, and it just adds even more to it when, you know, the crowd is all amped up and, you know, rooting the person on and, you know, stuff like that. But yeah, this is a, this is a great match that uh, TJP and Ibushi had. They did a great job as well, in, and on commentary as well, sort of like highlighting the fact that, you know, this surgically repaired neck of Ibushi and the fact that TJP was doing some like big power moves on it. And, you know, so it all built up really well to that finish of, you know, when he did get him in the submission and then was wrenching back on his neck that he had no choice but other than to tap out. So, yeah, top work for everybody there, including commentary really building up the facts um, of Ibushi's neck and, and what an issue it was for him. But Moving on to the final, it's Grand Metallic against TJP, and both men come out before uh, Triple H's music hits, and I totally forgot that this happened, and yeah. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, I said Triple the same thing. <laughs> Bro. You know, gets I, his I, entrance I, I, music, gets a big old entrance, everyone claps at him, <laughs> and he tells them that this match will now be for the new Cruiserweight Championship, yeah. and that it will be defended on Raw next week, and crowd is really hyped as Triple H leaves to a chorus of thank you Hunter remember when remember that Andrew when crowds did that on the regular <laughs> yeah man uh, like quite cringy but, but, now but, thinking about but, that isn't it but, 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 when he first came out because I remember I messaged you um mm-hmm. when he first came out because I, I, I completely forgot that that happened 
when he came out and I was like, what the fuck is Triple H coming out here for? And I'm about to message. I was like, dog, why is Triple H out here? <laughs> and then like, and then I, I remember like, well, not I remember, but I saw the, uh, but when he reached for the bag, I was like, oh, this is when he brought out the Cruiserweight title and the, the crowd, they, they, they was turned up for this. Like they was, they was amped up and no, I mean, it, it added more to the match, the surprise element of, of like, it being a championship. So I, I think like, you know, once I saw like what was happening, I was like, oh, this is like, I mean, that's kind of cool. Like, cause the crowd, mm-hmm. it's, it's the crowd was even more invested. Like, you know, the fact that there was a championship on the line and the Cruiserweight championship was coming back out there. You know, it had been out for like, what, since the early 2000s and stuff like that. That was the last time the Cruiserweight title was in effect before that. And, you know, <laughs> we, we, we talking now is uh, the Cruiserweight title is currently retired. Um, you know, I think the last person to hold it was Carmelo Hayes. So, uh. Yeah, but I, I I think I think you know this was a cool you know thing to have him sort of come out there and you know introduce the cruiserweight title. But honestly, when I first saw it, I was like, I know he's not about to come out here in the middle of this match <laughs> and, and get like some long ass speech. I'm like, dog, what are you doing? Like, why is this happening? But then I realized I was like, oh, he's bringing out the title, so it, it was cool. I think it added to the overall presentation, and like you said, the crowd was they was amped up for this. And it was a really good match as well. Not um. I don't yeah. think it was anywhere near as good as the semi-final match that we just talked about, but really good match, you know, full of big moves, building up that um, knee bar, you know, from TJP who ended up uh, picking up the win with that one. But um, yeah, Grand Metallic was really, really good in this tournament. And obviously yeah. he didn't have, um, you know, he had a, a bit of a, a shady career in WWE as well, didn't he? Yeah, they had him in Lucha House Party, carrying around a fucking pinata. <laughs> Oh God! Hey, did, 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 did you ever hear the story about how they how they did that? Like, not not, not to get too rear off to it, but did you ever hear the story about uh, how they got stuck with the pinata? No. They uh, so just real quick. Let, let let's say Dorado, uh, um, Samurai Del Sol and 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 Metalik, aka Mascara Dorado. They uh, they they were like in some some truck or something like that. And and Lin, this is coming from Lince. He told the story. He he didn't say who, but he said one of the members of Lucha House Party. So it was either uh samurai or it was uh grandma elite and one of them were holding a pinata and they had they had a meeting with vince mcmahon um and lince was telling them he was like please don't bring like don't bring that pinata to this meeting because if Vince see it they'll be gonna get stuck with it and he said that it's he said he, he told them that if they're gonna bring it in there just don't be like put it like out there in the open like don't be like fucking swinging the shit around or nothing like that he said, as soon as they walked through the door, Vince saw that pinata and he was mm. like, I love it. And then he said they got stuck with it from that from that point on. He said he was pissed. Like he couldn't like but but Lince was like he couldn't even get mad at WWE because he was just like, dog, he told y'all not to bring this fucking pinata mm, yeah. in the that, that, that's what that, that's some stereotypical shit, bro. You gonna have these three Latino men walk around with a fucking pinata. That shit kind of reminded me of like when they the, when they did that stuff with uh with the Mexicos, remember they had them driving lawnmowers, super crazy, uh, psychosis and um, moving to was that who that was? Not moving to, yeah, was that, Juventus that was with psycho, yoga, yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah but that, super like, crazy, that, yeah, super, super, super crazy. That was some stereotypical shit, and it kind of reminded me, um, reminded me of that, but yeah, but but yeah, but going back to the tournament, Metal League did have a, a really nice showing in this tournament. I'm surprised he never, um, sort of you know, did more WWE, but like you could say that about a bunch of people out. So, do you, do you think? him not finding sort of a greater level of success in the company sort of lends to like that old, um, that old like ideology within the company or belief within the company that if someone has like a full cover mask, you aren't able to see their facial expressions and stuff like that. So they don't really 
you know, the side uh, I think that's forward. more of a WCW thing, that was more yeah. Eric Bischoff, yeah. and he? he wanted to unmask all the wrestlers. I think like WWE realized there was a lot of value in merchandise from masks, especially with the likes of Rey Mysterio and stuff. So no, yeah, no, they, always no, like, no. they always like to keep them masks, don't they? Yeah, no, not, not, not like like masks were cut off, but I'm talking about like the full mask, like what you can't really tell, like what they're looking at and stuff. Like, like you can't you can't really see like the full facial expressions, like more of what I meant, but like that definitely don't the on the mask while when you see guys like Rey Mysterio, of course, like you know, that's completely, completely different. But yeah, Matt Metalik had a really great showing in this tournament, really good showing. Um, and I, but I, I do think, like what you said, probably the uh, that semifinal match was probably you know, I, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm gonna put that neck and neck with, with Cedric and Abushi. I'm gonna put that semifinal match, mm-hmm. uh, that we talked about neck and neck with Cedric and Abushi, like that. I, I just feel like with the Cedric and Coda thing, like I, I just feel like with Cedric, that, that was like his sort of coming out party in wwe and stuff like that because i know he had you no know, he was doing stuff at ring of honor he did i mean we covered a pwg show that he was uh me you and chinyure we covered that pwg show that he was on with uh with apollo cruz and stuff like that so and he had a, a real nice match there um but, but yeah I'm, I'm, I'm gonna put that semi-final match probably neck and neck um you know with dakota and cedric match for the tournament as far as the best things to come out of the tournament is this, uh, what do you say, this is one of the best things uh, WWE's done, at least in the past 10 years? I mean, we had the stories, the presentation, the brilliant wrestling. I mean, watching now, trying to block out that, you know, we all went nowhere for a lot of the guys who signed. <laughs> I mean, more on that in a bit. And in isolation, remember, this was a different time period before WWE had invaded the UK and signed everyone, before AEW had opened the Forbidden Door. This was a fantastic standalone event. Just a shame that that's all it was. It, it, it is one of the more, like, standout, things that WWE's done because it's so different from their normal presentation like as far as like you know just the small stuff like you know saying that we're a wrestler and like mentioning all these different promotions and you know mentioning these people backstories and not ignoring their past and like what they've done and acknowledging that these people were successful before they ever got to WWE you know what I'm saying Mm. like that stuff means a lot and I think it would really help their product if they did that today Um, but I guess you know of course we're a little too late for that but like I think by them acknowledging that all of these people, if not most of these people found, um, were able to find success pre WWE. And I feel like that makes them an overall bigger deal. Um, you know, when you, when they get deeper into the tournament and it, it all, it adds to the the credibility that they've already established with people that knew who they were. And then it also adds to that with people who were just getting, you know, introduced to these people. Yeah, well, I mean, a load of them got signed, didn't they? I mean, we had um, yeah. TJP and Grand Metallic, Akira Tozawa, Jack Gallagher, Brian Kendrick, Cedric Alexander, Noam Dar, Lindsay Dorada, Tony Nice, Mustafa Ali, Drew Gulak, Tajiri, Aria Divari, Rich Swan, and the Bollywood Boys all signed contracts with them. And uh, I mean, it didn't go so well for a lot of them, did it? I mean, on Raw, TJP started, you know, doing that whole goofy sort of like gaming Nintendo the, the, thing. The, the, the gab thing, the dab. Yeah. That, 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 that's, that's why people start booing his ass. I'm telling you, because I'm, because <laughs> I'm, I'm like, because he was, um, but when he, when he first, when they did that entrance, like, you, you know, what, you know, I ain't gonna lie, but I, I kind of liked the entrance a little bit because it was like the, the move, the shit moving on the rant, like 3D stuff. Like, I, 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 I kind of liked it, it was different. So I was like, okay, that's, that's kind of, that's all right, right there. But like, I like I remember the crowd started turning on him, and I think he kept doing that 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 dab shit. Like, and it, it was like, all right, bro, you need to retire that. Like, the dance had already passed; it was too late. But yeah, I I remember that super portion of his uh his career and stuff like that. Um, 
But we're going back. Well, to he didn't the... even last long as champion, did he? I mean, he lost it to Brian Kendrick at Hell in the yeah. Cell that year, and and the cruiserweights were never really taken seriously on Raw. Oh and no, no, really given a no. Worthy. <laughs> no, like I, I'd probably say, like the, the the one thing that I remember from that cruiserweight like period on Raw, um, and it wasn't even a match. Uh, matter of fact, it is a match, but it is one like one like standout thing that I remember is when Enzo like grilled the whole. 205 the whole 205 live roster and like all of them had to like stand on the ring and like take it and then they like beat him up after and they had Braun Strowman come out and beat up and oh, so, no, that was that like, that was that that was that UK one in um it was all the UK guys weren't it and uh he, he I think it was in Manchester I think Benno was at it and he basically they just he just dragged them all out and they didn't they didn't get to say anything to him he just like grilled them all in the ring and they just looked like a fucking load of dweebs there <laughs> while he was just fucking rinsing them in the ring <laughs> but 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 there there was uh there was one match like I did uh I think it was before WrestleMania 33 uh Pac had faced Rich Swan it was on it was on Raw and it, this match had to probably be like I probably said like ten minutes that it it was like it was a great sprint like him and him and uh Rich Swan and Pac like they like from from what I remember because that like that match was like because I this, I'm gonna say this like a year ago I, I don't know what reminded me of this match but I had went back and watched it. And it was like a great sprint that they had. Like they they had they worked really well together. Um, Rich Wan and Pac did, but like that, like but most of the the, the whole thing with the the presentation of the cruiserweights and where it went so wrong, especially with two hundred five live, is like they like stuffed them like right after SmackDown. Like they take mm-hmm. everything right after SmackDown. So like the crowd, they already got a pre SmackDown dark match or one, one or two. Then they got to watch a full two hour SmackDown. Then they get the two hundred five live stuff. And then they're expected to stay for another dark match. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like you 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 sort of putting them in a rough position. And I burn feel like two or five live. Yeah, you you burn the crowd out. And I feel like it would have been best for the two or five live talents to maybe be like what people were saying for a long time. People people have been saying this from the get go when when this first happened. Um, like because uh, because you know, I, I remember there was a period when two or five live was legit live. Like it was like right after the show, but 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 still, even that, like even you know, letting, get trying to get the crowd ramped up and let them know it's a live broadcast. I, that's that's still a lot to ask for people after having you know being sitting in an arena for for three hours straight. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like being in it at you know the start time and then watch, having to watch the dark match and then having to watch the full two hour SmackDown broadcast. That's a lot to ask of people from you know any time period. Um, but but I, I think they they should have did what a lot of people was telling them. You know what they should have done was probably tape it at NXT. Would you get that crowd that is, yeah, very very much familiar with all of these individuals? Of course, from the Cruiserweight Classic and uh, more so the people that attended NXT are more um, during that time period are more like equipped or more familiar with you know things outside of WWE. So it'd have been more helpful for them in terms of crowd reactions and stuff like that. Because man, it was times man when these dudes they go out there and they had these banger matches, but the crowd like did not give a shit because they was tired. Like it was like fucking empty seats all over the place, you know what I'm saying? It, and it, no one was watching just, me when he was on the network or on the TV, network. Who were they? Yeah, they 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 had me. I was like one of three thousand. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I but I, but I no, I'm saying like it was like one match per week on two hundred five live, bro. Where it was like a a great match, good or great match. Like it was like at least one one match a week, one match a week where it was like okay, they they like in the stuff that come to mind, Buddy Murphy, Buddy Matthews, and uh. Mustafa Ali, stuff like that. Um, you know, look, like I, I, I didn't get too far, but like uh I don't know if you but Mustafa had recently came back to uh 
to WWE. Um, and you know, yeah, announced that he requested his release from the company. I think in January. What do you think about that? Like him coming back? Like I, I, I saw a report from um, I believe from Fight for Select that said that it, it didn't have it. Because I initially without when I saw him, I was like, oh, they must have like froze his contracts, shit like that. Unless he came back to the word, but that wasn't the case. So like, what, what do you think about you know Ali coming back? You know, after you know doing the whole public, you know, hey, I'm I'm out, I don't want to be here type thing, and then you know back on TV several months later. Well, it, they've obviously said to him, you know, we're not going to release from your contract. So, yeah. And he's like, well, <laughs> you know, best, you know, I best like it or lump it, aren't he? So, yeah, I suppose he's yeah. got no other choice, has he? It's either, you know, he's sitting on the sideline for God knows how long the rest of his contract is or you go out and, you know, yeah, it's, 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 it's supposed to, um, a bad situation. It's, a, it's supposed to expire in 2024. And that, that's like pending, you know, that they don't, wow. you know, that, that that's like pending that they don't you know factor in that time that he missed because you know they do they you, I'm, oh, yeah, yeah. i know you know they they, they do yeah. that stuff like when somebody misses time they'll like extend they'll like roll over their deal to like you know for the make up the time that they miss I, I i think they sort of i think they tried to do that same thing with pat i i know they i know that happened with uh with jeff hardy i believe mm-hmm. like when he for the uh for the time he had this and stuff like that so yeah, but uh, yeah, Ali back. Like it, Ali is another one, man. Like when we're speaking about people who had these runs that in in, in WWE, I feel like he could have he could have been something real special, um, for them. And it sort of seemed like that from, uh, you know, from when he got called up to SmackDown. But that wasn't even the WWE thing. That was Danielson, um, because like the story's been told countless times. But uh, uh, I, I remember even uh, the former WWE writer uh, Kazim Famayide, he had uh, told the story when he was working with uh, the company. And Danielson just like came in the writing room was like, no, we need some more baby faces. Like, we don't have no like no good baby faces for me to like <laughs> wrestle. Like he just, he straight up told the writing team that, and he was like, bring up Mustafa Ali. And then that night or that or that next show, Mustafa Ali got called up, and he was working mm. with Danielson. You know what I'm saying? Like, and he got Mustafa Ali called up, and then of course, like the one thing that everybody remembers, and like I, I swear, everybody and their mother has put this has said this. Like, I think we all. I just in agreement, like it, it's kind of crazy that everybody sort of had the same idea um, when Mustafa Ali was supposed to be in that elimination chamber, you know, that one that led to Kofi, Kofi mania and stuff. He was supposed to be in that. And I felt like just a natural thing for him to do when he came back from that entry was, no, he should have been in the world title program with Kofi. Like the story was mm-hmm. like, there, there, there's like literally no, no further story that needs to be told outside of Mustafa was supposed to be in that match. Kofi got inserted in because Mustafa got injured. Kofi went on to have this fucking great run. Uh, second black WWE champion. Fucking one of probably my favorite WrestleMania, not even probably my favorite WrestleMania moment of all time. Um, together with them when he when he had the match. I mean, when he beat Brian for the title. All-time moment. And then, like, you had the dude who was presumably supposed to be in that spot. He's supposed to come back. Like, and you you would think, naturally think that they would just be like, well, you know, this is like the most obvious thing you can do. And the story is literally right there that he was supposed to be in that spot. And they just like completely fucked it up with Mustafa Ali and changed his theme song and took away the fucking cool mask that he did and the entrance he had and all that. They, 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 it's like they stripped everything that was cool about this dude and got gave him this bland ass entrance music and stuff like that. So yeah, he, he's uh, uh, Ali throw him on a list of, you know, people that didn't have these sort of grand, grandiose runs in WWE. Um, and it's a long, look, look, long list. Isn't it? it's, a, it's a long, <laughs> long list, bro. But like going back to the CWC, bro, like one of the things 
that, that I, uh that I, it was the Norm Dar and uh, Zack Sabre Jr. match, dude. It was this this match. I mean, it was this uh, at the end. Zack Sabre Jr. did like this Rings of Saturn, but like he he didn't have like have the um the 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 neck choke in, but he like I but I don't I don't know what the, I think he used his like his his knees or something like that, and he had like Norm Dar's like arms trapped, and he like cranked his shit like ridiculous. It looked like Norm Dar's shoulder had came out of place, and I remember uh. Dancing and moral was like stressing that on commentary, like and like that. That's that's one of the reasons why I caught it because they kept stressing it. They was like, "Do it look like his shoulders out of place?" Like that. I'm like Zach. Like uh, of course, like I, I've become more familiar with him. I want to say like since like 2018. That's when I become. That's when I sort of became way more familiar with Zach Saber Jr. Like specifically at this time period. Like I, I've, I've told you this before. Like it, it was it was I, it was this year when I started like getting into wrestling outside of you know the televised u.s stuff like i you know i said that to you before um that that 2016 time period so like when i started getting more familiar with zach saber jr and seeing what he could do like i like I, that's why i mentioned it earlier like when i'm sort of comparing what i initially thought about him opposed to like what i see now what i've gone on to see over the years just like you know going to youtube and seeing different types of stuff and of course him in new japan talking about like how more crisp or how most precise precise he's gotten since then so yeah it, it's, it's kind of crazy to see how like I mean, he was already a great wrestler, but I'm talking about like just seeing how much more um like locked in he is, like with his like his submission holes and stuff like that, and his counters and his reversals, and how he seemingly has a fucking counter to get out of everything these days. <laughs> oh yeah, and he has some interesting names for him, doesn't he? As well, uh, what about sort of like if they did it today, did another one today? I mean, AEW's got a lot of the talent who'd be good in this. That's, what, uh, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. The, the novelty, the novelty of sort of like seeing these guys in WWE is uh, long since lost its shine when yeah. you know they're not going to do anything with him. But I mean, other than that, you know, the people that aren't signed who you know who could you know who would maybe make up a good sort of like cruiserweight classic. Do you think? Ah, uh, like pe- people that's not signed right now. Yeah, it's hard um, when you get put on the spot, and yeah, I know there's not yeah, definitely yeah. No, names no, no, out there. It, I should have told you about this before the show. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, if, if I'm just thinking like people off the top of my head, I mean, he's with New Japan right now, and I'm assuming he's gonna be in the best of the Super Juniors. Is Francesco Akira? Like, mm. you, you think maybe him? Um, Blake Christian. I mean, he was in WWE, but they released him. Um, you know, I think an obvious one that you would think about who's a free agent right now is Leo Rush. I don't know where he's at. Um, but you know, he, I mean, you know, he's not like active in the pro wrestling scene right now, but you would think Leo would be a great fit for a cruiserweight classic. I, I had mentioned uh yesterday to somebody when I was having this conversation about Fred Yeah, and we were talking about like potential people that could be invested in super juniors. And I he was like, he was like, is Fred a is Fred a, uh, a junior or a cruiserweight? And I was like, hmm. man, I mean I mean I I know it's not New Japan. We're talking about cruiserweight class, but I'm like, dog, New Japan has Shingo as a damn junior for damn near four years. Like you you can make an exception for Fred. Junior ju- there's no way in hell Shingo was no damn cruiserweight. I mean no damn junior heavyweight. But um, yeah, yeah, man. Like I'm not. I'm thinking about those people that I just listed. Uh, ooh, ooh, did, did you have yeah, any names that like come? It's hard when you come, but like it's 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 definitely a couple people on the independent scene right now who you would uh. It, what's this one do? Um, uh, I, I think it's I, I can't I cannot remember his name. I'm blanking on his name right now, and I don't want to I don't want to butcher his name. I don't want to botch his name. Um, shit, you could throw Nick Wayne name out there that somebody could be in a potential. Uh, cruiserweight classic if they was to do one again, but there, there, there is like to, to say there isn't talent out there right now that could do it. That that that's a complete lie. Like there are plenty of people 
that could probably be in a in a cruiserweight classic tournament right now if they WWE were to do one again. But like I would say, most of like the um, high profile names that you would sort of go for like those first picks, I guess, or or maybe even not, but they're they're in uh, AEW or contracted through AEW. Should I love to see Jonathan Gresham in one, but he signed um, AEW right now in a potential mm-hmm. cruiserweight classic. So yeah, it, it's it's definitely names out there, man. That would uh. That would definitely thrive um, in, in a cruiserweight classic tournament. Shit, ASF, I would love to see him in there. Like Takashita, uh, he'd be good in it as well, yeah, wouldn't he? But yeah, I know he's yeah. doing some stuff with AEW. So I suppose uh, it, I don't think there'd be as much interest these days, would there? Because you're able to see these nah. guys on sort of like regular TV quite often. You know, they'd have to really do a good job if they got sort of like some complete unknowns that are, you know, just making a name for themselves. But um so yeah, any final any final thoughts on on the on the CWC or this time period in wrestling before we uh, before we get out of here? Before we get out of here, I, I just talk about everything, Martin. But I I know I know we got we got to get out of here. But I, I did I did want to talk to you about like some stuff like of course like of course pertaining to the cruiserweight classic. But it was like a lot of shit that was like going on during this time period like that. I wanted to sort of get your thoughts on, and we ain't got to die too deep too too deep into it. But like I just no no go for it, it. mate. Let's let's do it. See, man, this 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 is why you my dog, man. This why this why we cool, man. This why we do this. <laughs> ha, 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 hashtag when this post go up, don't retire. Everybody, everybody, tag Martin, bump, bombard him, and in his notifications, he will greatly appreciate. It. I'm sure Martin would just love coming out there. Oh yeah, long, uh, Martin would just love about the long work day of, of people in his mentions telling him don't retire. I'm sure he'll greatly appreciate that <laughs> as as he turns off his fucking phone. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so there you go. But uh, no, I was gonna ask you like, what like we one of the guys in this tournament, Tony Nice, he's with AEW right now. Um, and you know, I I mean, you know, I don't think he's having the best run in AEW. Like he's you know, kind of just a guy there amongst like some like high profile people who's like, you know, like even talents like Willa Yuta, bro, who has emerged. Like Willie, I Willie Yuta, like I'm 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 going to go back to Tony Nice, but I just wanted to mention this real quick. Like seeing Willie Yuta's like his like this dude's like turn around this quick from being with uh mm. from having this storyline with Regal Danielson and, and, and Mox is like ridiculous. Like they even changed this dude ring gear, got him some like decent, half decent theme music that sort of goes along with it. He got like this nice, like little baby face thing that you want to root for him, like type thing going on, like stemming from the whole thing with Mox and stuff. Like he had that great match with Mox on Rampage. Um, but yeah, it was it's cool to see him. But like when I like t- Tony Nees. He just seems like sort of a guy that just got sort of like just he's just there. But like now they're doing yeah. like the thing with uh with Mark Sterling, like they pair him up with, with um smart Mark Sterling to sort of be his his mouthpiece because Nice isn't like the most um he he, he doesn't speak but like this conviction in his voice that that makes you want like want to believe him and stuff like that. And, 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 yeah. and, and, and like that, that everybody can do that. But I'm just saying he's just like the the mic thing just don't really work. But I, I'm interested to see how uh sort of how it goes from here um you know like uh, but but like what, what, what I, I don't know like how much you've been able to see of like niece and aw i don't know i really honestly don't know how much there is to see like i don't think he's been on the <laughs> i think that's the thing but, isn't but, it? A great deal to see but 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 like as far as the tony these goes like what do you think like his like ceiling is in aw like you think it's just most of like a tnt title pitch or a guy who can be used to like you can throw him out there with anybody you know he'll have a, a, a good great match and stuff like that like what do you sort of think Tony needs the ceiling is in AEW uh yeah I think 
Mm, I don't even think he's a TNT title. I don't. Mm. I, I don't know. He's never. He's never really blown me away. To be honest with you, obviously he's got a great look. You know, amazing physique. Um, yeah, and a, and a great look and everything like that. But yeah, I've never been that enamored with him. To be honest with you, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, but uh, like it's especially like during this time period of 2016, man, it was like. We, we it was like that uh that, that I, I got reminded of some of this stuff through the through the little ads that they did like would you say he's a, a mechanic like what steve austin had sort of like say he's a good ring mechanic but he's never going to be the guy he's always the guy to put the other guy over so yeah there, that, there you go that that's his, he's dolph ziggler there you go mm. no, i'm sorry <laughs> i ain't no no i ain't trying to take no shot at dolph man but um but no, I, I think that's what Tony needs to probably be for AEW. Like may, maybe it, it, you know, you'll never know. It probably something will come up in a couple months from now. But I kind of just see him right now being a guy like they can easily, you know, sort of heat him up, especially with Mark Sterling uh, by his side. Like I, I gotta give props to Mark Sterling for what he's doing with Jay Cargill. But um, yeah, uh, I, I think that's how needs will be used. Like they can get him a couple wins here and there, present him like to be a big deal, and then you know ultimately use him to put over who they ultimately want to and stuff like that and they can just reheat them up again and stuff like that so yeah i, th- I think that's most of how tony needs to be used but like yeah do- doing back to doing uh this 2016 man this is like this is around the time of the uh the draft you know they finn Balor got brought up and you know they had the whole revamp of smackdown with smackdown was like fucking smoking raw on a week on a weekly basis um like do, do, do you remember anything for, like anything from this specific time period or like that smackdown area when they had like chad gable and jason jordan and like the usos like sort of emerged and they put away like the face paint and stuff like that and they had uh i think aj had made the move to smackdown uh and he had beat moxley for the title uh you know they had the shield triple threat in dc when when mox went over and he you know of course he took the title from a from, from Roman and Seth and stuff like that. Like, do you remember anything from this specific time period or like even when Finn Balor got the when Finn Balor came out of the gate and got that big push on Raw, you know, before the injury and stuff like that. And it's even, you know, stuff to look at and, you know, wonder about what Finn's run would have been like had he not had that injury at SummerSlam 2016. Did he, uh, was this, was it 2016 when um, Finn won the Universal yeah. title and then he got injured, yeah. right? Yeah, I do remember that, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember what was on WrestleMania that year. Uh, they had, it was that, that horrible uh, uh, Mox, Brock Lesnar match. Um, the uh, what Cameron Cardona won the Intercontinental title and then he lost it the next day to the Miz. <laughs> oh, yeah, and it was Roman uh, against Triple H, Roman against Triple H. News fest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, then, and then, uh, I love Roman the, Andrew, I love Roman Reigns. But, oh my god, that was an awful match. That yeah, one, yeah, it no, wasn't no, a very I, good I, main year at all, was it really? That one, no. uh, I get Kevin, Kevin Owens and Sammy, Sammy Zayn in the ladder match. Uh, well, else, the Rock uh, came out and just like laid rock. waste to uh, the White family, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm trying to remember what set that sign on fire that was his name. Yeah. That was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the I'm trying to remember what else happened uh, during that. Oh, that, that that was uh, funny enough. That was Cody Rose's uh, last WrestleMania before he came back. Um, ah, there you go. Stage, yeah, that, that 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 same venue. So uh, yeah, that, that was cool, man. But um, like th- this was also like I, I remember like they had promoted it. I think this was during the second round of the Cruiserweight Classic when they was promoting this. This was when Mox had that interview with Stone Cold. Uh, oh yeah, and that was really that, so awkward, wasn't it? Yeah, the the one that was so fucking awkward. Like I like so I I remember when I saw that uh, that ad. I was like kind of curious because I, I it immediately came to my mind when I was remembering people talking about how bad this was because I, I didn't go back and watch it, but 
I had went back and listened to an interview that Mox did, and he was just talking about how like uh the producers had called him like so I'm like from the interview, Austin was trying to like get like deep into like Mox's like childhood and shit like that, like talking about his upbringing and all that. He said Mox said the producer for the show had called him like a week before um and like just started asking him like a whole bunch of like personal shit like and but he he was under the assumption when he got asked to do the podcast he thought that him and austin was just about to like you know quote unquote shoot the shit like they're just gonna talk wrestling uh you know mox time on the independent scene yada 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 i got the wwe winning the world title and he was just like throughout the whole interview it was just like he felt like austin was trying to um like just just get like real deep into his childhood and stuff like that and his mm. upbringing and like he tried to tell this like rags to riches story for, for Mox and he was he was just like he just wasn't feeling it and then on top of that he was just like he didn't want to put the people in his family like in a weird position like by saying shit on air and like you know ma- making them look back because like you know um, like he he didn't get any specifics of like what occurred but like it was just more so like from what I took of it was just like a time heals all wounds type thing. And like everything was all good now. So like he not gonna sit here and like, you know, put these like put no bad spotlight on these people, his family, like on national broadcasts or whatever like that, or you know, for the world to see or people to go back and have, you know, yeah. saved up for years and stuff. But he just like he wasn't feeling it. So it was like every time Austin sort of leaned into it a little, he would just it would just get more awkward and more awkward and more awkward. Mm. And I remember Austin had even said that uh like he always felt bad about that interview because he's just he, he he could tell that it was not going well at all but he, he said that him and mox talked like some sometime after um i think i think it was either sometime yeah i think it was like maybe a couple years after or something like that or, or or when mox debuted in AEW around that time but uh he said that he called him and they had like a great conversation i'm assuming they hashed hashed their stuff out um they, they didn't get it to hit him austin or mox didn't get it into the specifics of what you know what occurred and stuff like that but uh yeah that, that I, from what i remember that interview was very very uh very awkward and, and I, I don't i don't think it did the moxley any favors as far as his wwe title run and people talking about like he was like a lackluster champion and all this stuff and like he didn't have like this uh the quote-unquote fire you know as they say so I, I, don't, I don't think that interview did him no favors at like at all. And I, I yeah, think like Mox is a fantastic talker, isn't he? And obviously, yeah, he too, is. Like, you know, with his promos. And then obviously, you know, with the podcast I did with Jericho, that was absolutely brilliant. That one of my no, favorite was... sort of like podcast <laughs> interviews. Sorry, Andrew. Yeah. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, you good. Not Jericho. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 you, you good. I, I, no, that, that, that podcast he did with Jericho is one of my favorite interviews. And just because like just hearing him recap his whole. His whole career. Fuck Jericho, but uh, yeah, shout, shout <laughs> hey, out to uh, Roman, Roman against AJ Extreme Rules. That was a really good match. Yeah, uh, that, we had that one too. Sammy against uh, Nakamura uh, that we have talked about on the show. Yeah, before. we talked about that. This is the year that AJ debuted, right? 2016. Yeah. Revival he, against he, DIY. Yep. Uh, that, that, take uh, over Toronto. Take over yeah. Toronto. This is when Oscar was still like one of the hottest things in WWE. Mm-hmm. God bless her. God so bless yeah, some, uh, some decent highlights once you go through them from uh, from 2016. But um, Andrew, so yeah. we've mentioned, you know, the early interviews you did in Dallas and things like that. And you've been on the news with John Pollock while waiting was uh, sunning it up in, in L.A. Um, what else have <laughs> you you've been up to this uh, past couple of months? I know you're, you're always busy, always got uh, something going on. Uh, just, just lining up the interviews, man. Uh, taking it easy. Hanging out with family. It's pretty much it, man. I'm 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 living that, that retired life. 
not 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 retired in the sense i'm like doing stuff but like i'm talking about i'm just i'm just chilling bro that's it mm-hmm. just just you know doing the interviews doing some writing hanging out with the hanging out with the family that that's what i consider the retire i should have worded that better that sounded fucking horrible but uh yeah <laughs> no nah, it, we get it. We cool, get it out here. Yeah, you, 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 you get what I'm trying. Yeah. You get what I'm trying to say. There you go. There you go. We're we gonna edit that out. Y'all ain't gonna hear that shit. Y'all, my, 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 when you when you when you put this together, all people gonna hear is when they skip through that. Y'all gonna edit that out. You ain't gonna hear that shit. That's all you gonna hear. Boom, just like that. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I said fucking retire life. I could have worded that better. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, about fifty but, uh, years, so you got that. Yeah, got, yeah. He's I got got about fifty years, so I got that one. You ain't lying about that one, bro. But um, the, uh, so the last thing I want to mention about the cruiserweight class before we get out of here is that uh, Lindsay around this time, um, he had uh, he had offers from Impact, he had an offer from AAA, and he had an offer from Lucha Underground. And he was like, he was waiting on WWE. Like he he wanted to sign with WWE, but he had like all these offers right there in front of him. And I, I remember William Regal. Well, let's say I said that William Regal even told him was like, hey, like maybe you should just at least go consider these other offers and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, but he all like he, he said he got called. Uh, he was he was in his hotel and it was like midnight. And he said he got called by somebody from WWE to come in the lobby. This dude said he went down there and he signed that shit immediately. Like he didn't even look at it. He just signed it. He was like, you know what? He, his only thing was that if WWE paid him more than what he was making as a school teacher, then he was going to sign the deal. No, no, no cut cars about it. Like he, he was signing and he went down there in that hotel lobby, signed his deal immediately. And um, yeah, that, that, that was that. So that was my last note about Lynn saying that's all I got. That's all I got left, Martin. And uh, Andrew Thompson, YouTube, post wrestling, all your writing, the news, always, always doing some fantastic work. Andrew, as for me, I, I am not retired. Just wanted yeah. to add that in. I'm, I'm, I'm not retired in no way, shape, or form. I, I hope people get that joke because I, I, I can see what because I, I don't want to come off like no fucking asshole because that sounded horrible. But yeah, Joe Biden canceled my. Andrew, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call that out. I- <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll cut it and then do the uh, lint and then you can talk about Lindsay Dorada and then uh, there you go so, please. <laughs> so so Andrew, uh, so Andrew, what uh, what where can people check out more of your stuff? Yeah, they <laughs> they can uh, they can check me out at uh, Andrew Thompson interviews YouTube and uh, check out all my written work on the post wrestling site Man in the News with uh, that good man DJ Joe Poe. And um, yeah, they can check me out on Twitter, AD Thompson, two million underscores underneath his way team likes to put it. <laughs> and as for me, yeah, we're um, me and Andrew will be back next month, and uh, yeah, we'll have the British wrestling experience. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly <laughs> thought you were gonna say you you're smart about the retired life again. I thought, oh my god, he's gonna say he's fucking retired again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> as for me, yeah, me and Andrew will be back next month, and the British resident experience. <laughs> Oh fuck it! Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh, we'll catch you next month. <laughs>